This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Well, as we know, we're coming out of the book of Ezra, and we have been coming for several weeks, and we understand about Ezra. Ezra, and the main thing I want you to understand about Ezra is that he was a ready scribe. And the reason why he was is because he prepared his heart. That's what I want you to get out of that foundational scripture is that he was a ready scribe and he prepared his heart to not only to hear but to do. And that's our main focus is not only to hear but to do. Everything that you're hearing, everything that God is saying, everything that he's speaking, you have the purpose in your heart to do. And again, God is not, there's no misunderstanding about it. There's no, God didn't misread you. God didn't really know what you meant, what you said. Not, whatever God is saying about you is true. So you have to say, you know what, I see this, this is true. Then I need to make the change. I need to make the change. So you need to ask the master of the house, Father, what do I need to do to please you? What changes do I make to make you happy? What do I need to do to make you satisfied in this house? Because you've got me taken care of in this house. So just let me know everything I need to do. And every time a minister gets up here, he's going to let you know. Now, whether you like it or not, don't have anything to do with it. You're asking him to let you know. He will let you know clearly. Amen? And so we know what Ezra... uh, uh, was doing, he was restoring um, worship in Jerusalem and building the temple back because everything, remember, all Jerusalem was lying in waste. And God's doing, but God is telling us, we're going to bring it right into the here and now. And God said, now I'm about to come and rebuild some things in you. And we're going to start by you, by preparing your heart with all, with the unseen work that you need to do as we begin to build up. Because as wall builders, we need to be positioned. We need to be in place to wall build. You know, it's good to say wall builders. It's good to say, yes, I want to put my hands to the work. I want to be a wall builder. There's preparation before all of that takes place. And the preparation has to do with you obeying the word of God. And we talked about obedience. Don't let that word obey scare you. Just obey God. You're going to have to do that throughout your walk. Amen. And then we said, I don't want to go through all that. I have three objectives for these. I mean, I, we've already gone over three objectives in these, in these series of teaching. The first one that we went over was how to restore your heart. And we found out how to restore our heart a few weeks ago. Then the second one was how to change our hearts. And you know what? Yeah, a change has to be made. We have to get, we have to be okay with that. I have to change. It's, it's, let me tell you, change is good. I know sometimes it don't feel good, but it is good. Especially when God is trying to get us to a place. And then last week we talked about how to obey. I mean, have to have a heart to obey. And God dealt with us about being afraid to obey and, and, and that word being frustrated to us. And we want to do the opposite because, just because we heard the word obey. And then 
This morning we started in, on how to uh, prepare our heart to minister. And that's so very important, to how to, to prepare our heart to minister. You, you, let me tell you, if you belong to God, you belong to this ministry, don't think of somebody licensed just being a minister. You are called to minister. And you have to prepare your heart to be able to say that. We, we want people to accept when we minister. We don't want people to be frustrated when we minister to them. We want them to be able to accept whatever we're saying because our heart is right, because we're doing it out of love. Our motivation should always be love whenever we're ministering. And God is putting us in a position and putting us in a place where we can now minister. And so we yield ourselves to that. And we said now, in restoring our heart, was several things that we have to understand. We have to do the hard unseen work to repair and rebuild all the damaged things that have gone on in our hearts. All the things, let me tell you, you might even not even know that your heart is damaged. You know sometimes people don't even know, I'm talking about in the natural, don't even know that they have heart conditions. They have damage to their heart. And sometimes they even die with that. And they be like, they never even knew they had a heart condition. They never And let me tell you, you, you probably have been caught up in things in school. And you don't think of it as nothing. But I'm going to tell you, your heart is damaged. You could have got caught up in whatever it was. I'm just saying school or it could be anything. But there's damage in your heart. And God is trying to tell you. You might not because you don't feel it. And you've and you, you gone past that and you like, well, I don't even think about it. But God is not talking about what you think about. He's talking about what has happened to your heart. And let me tell you, when your heart is damaged, it changes your whole way of thinking about everything. About the Word of God, about everything. When sometimes when things devastate and happen, it changes your whole outlook on things. You have to grab a hold of the reins of the Word and you stay with it because damaged hearts and hearts that have been just full of garbage and junk and been just, you done cluttered it with all of that. You can't even see what true holiness is, true righteousness is. Let me tell you, you're bored with church. You don't want to be here. You're doing a parent pleasing coming, which is nothing at all. I'm telling you, if you're coming just because your parents is coming and you're coming to please them, you might as well stay at home. As far as God is concerned, because God's not moved by that. God wants your heart. You know, God will put up with it with little children, but not grown ones. God's like, no, you don't, you, you doing that to please your parents? No. Let me tell you, we done had too many, too many that are young adults now that came with parent pleasing relationships and their lives are a mess because they never did come because it was something that they wanted to do. And they would even boast about it. Oh, we've been in this so long. We, you know, we, you know, we've been around. Don't know nothing. So if you come in to please your parents, you get no, let me tell you, you might get people to see you, but you get no kudos, you get nothing with God. Because God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. He's not looking at what you're just doing physically. That's for people, because people can't see your heart. But God is not, this whole message is not dealing with what you're showing people. All of us can show people whatever, but that's not what God is dealing with. God said, I'm dealing with things that only me and you know about. And he's dealing with us very extensively on that. And, we, and we're going to have to 
flow out of that. And then, so we're not going to go through all of the things we went over this morning so we can get into the new information. But we're going to start. We we went to the book of Philippians. You don't have to go there because we went there this morning. And we started by preparing our heart to minister. And I'm telling you, preparing your heart to minister is totally different. And we're going to deal with some things tonight to let you know where you need to be and how you need to go and how you need to operate. We said our hearts have to be prepared to minister when, where, and how, and to whom God desires. We have said that the heart has to be prepared to minister when God wants you to, where God wants you to be, uh, to, how He wants you to, and to whom God desires. You can't pick and choose who you want to minister to. God is going to show you who you need to minister to. Then we said we have to make sure that our heart is ready in advance to to minister. You cannot get ready at the time the opportunity is presented. You have to be ready way before then. See, a lot of times, that's why people always want to send everybody to the ministers. And everybody to, well, let's go, ask one of the ministers. Ask pastor. Ask, you know, it's always put you, this needs to happen. Go, Go to the minister. Because the reason you do that is because you have not prepared in advance. And so you don't know how, so you want to send it to those that have prepared. But God is speaking to all of us that we all need to be prepared. Everybody has to be prepared, not just a few of us. You can't ride on our wings anymore. God is saying, nope, you got to flap on your own. you got to have a desire to get all of this in advance. Listen, God is not caught up into your little family affair. See, you you think, well, God is pausing for me because I'm going through right now. And, you know, we're doing it. We don't have enough money right now. Or we don't have this what we have. You know, we're trying to get a new house right now. And, you know, God, if God, just just wait. And I, I, I'll serve you. In, I, well, I got a baby right now. And we caught up with the babies right now. God said, I knew all of that before you got them. And why you have them. And I'm still not moved. God doesn't change because your situation changed. Did you hear that? God does not change because your situation changed. As if God is surprised now. And God has said, oh, I I know I told you to do this, but this happened in your life. So let me try to, you know, redo my instructions to you. No, the instructions still are the same. You got to press through. But I'm talking about people that are serious about the things of God. See, you'll press through. You'll understand. You'll have the balance with that. Amen? And then we said that we have to make sure that our heart... No, we said to minister. I gave you a definition of minister. I said to minister in the form that I'm teaching now. Now, again, when I, a lot of, we might teach another message or another minister might teach another message and talking about minister. And you might not can use this definition for that one because it's for different things. But for what we're teaching in this series, minister means to serve and to give to others by the command of God. By the commandment of God. God is commanding you to do it. And I don't care what comes your way. You try to do anything other than what God has commanded you to do. It's not going to work. Remember, God don't want you to get around. I almost did what he said. 
Well, I was close to doing what he said. Well, I did half of what he said. That's like doing none of what he said. God don't want you doing half of what he said. He don't want you to get around what he said. He wants you to hit the mark. Because he's only going to give you that which he knows you can hit. It's not like he's giving that and hopefully you hit it. No, you can hit it whether you think you can or not. So that's why it's important to obey. Say, you know what, I don't see how this is going to be done, but I'm going to obey because God has commanded me to. Amen? Then we said the key to preparing our heart to minister, we must be motivated by love. Love is key. Love is key in whenever we're ministering. And I told you not only motivating us, love motivating us, but constraining us to minister to others. We got to make sure that in ministering, we don't let anything stop you from doing what God has called you to do. That's why it's so important that we live our lives a holy life so people can receive. Nobody is going to receive from someone that's living contrary to the word. And then you're walking up on them trying to tell them about God. And they're like, no, you're just like me. Send me somebody that's, that's different, that's distinctively different. And that's what I'm going to hear. That's why we have to live righteous lives. That's why we have to live holy lives. That's why we have to, when, when, when the opportunity hits where we can be all foolish and be all into it, we have to say, nope, 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 because somebody's watching me. Somebody, I don't know who, but somebody is. Amen? And then we said we have to make sure that love, the love of God is challenging us to minister to others. We have to make sure that the love of God is perfecting us to minister to people. Allow the love of God to minister to you. And then I gave you the first point and I said we must prepare our heart to minister within the body. We have to first start ministry right here. Right here amongst ourselves. God is telling us, you have to minister within the body, right where you are. Our first ministry is to one another. I know that you think that you're an evangelist and God has called you to minister to the lost, and that's okay. But to begin with, you got to first start here. Ministering to one another. Walking in love with one another. All of those things. Go back and read Acts chapter 2, chapter 4. And see how the early church did it. Because we we used to pattern ourselves after that. They knew how to take care of each other. They knew. They let nothing, nothing hinder them. Because they were following instructions. And that's all God has given you every time he's ministering to you. He's instructing you, you. And you're not too young. See, we think, oh, well, that's for these older people. That's for no. High school, all of you, 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 you're there. And let me tell you, if you got a job, you're definitely there. You're there. You're no, no longer a kid. Now, if you don't have a job and you should have a job, you're still there. Because you're already in that group. Amen. And then we said that we have to prepare our heart to see value in everyone in the church. That's so very important. That everyone in the church is seen as valuable. Everybody is valuable in the church. 
And we have to understand that. We got to see it that way. I told you, I don't care what class, low class, middle class, upper class, no class. We got all kinds in the church. But we must filter them always through the eyes of Christ. And we must see them as valuable. And remember, and, and the most important, especially with the assignment God has given us about restoring the young adults, because they have been devalued. And because they've been devalued, they need to know that somebody thinks that they have some kind of value. But I'm telling you, they're proving to me every time how valuable they are. And I told you, it's very, you, you, you better value them because you're gonna need them. You're gonna need them. God is setting them up so they'll be in position, so when we do need them, they're gonna step up. They're gonna step up. So don't devalue them now because that's gonna be the very one that you're gonna need. Are you with me? And so I think this is where we started. I mean, this is where we ended. And write it down if you didn't. I don't know if this is exactly where we started. But letter B says, I must prepare my heart to see the needs of others. Is that where we left off? Or did we say that one this morning? Okay, so that's where we, that's, that's the new information. I must prepare my heart to see the needs of others. Listen, you are going to have to do some work. This is what you have to do. you got to do some work in this particular uh, uh, subject of uh, uh, preparing our hearts for the needs of others. You're going to have to work on your heart to get out or get it off of yourself. See, now that's not a hard problem because everything is inward. We got to get it off of ourselves and in the, on the needs of others. We got to put it there. You got to do some work. That's why the Bible says, "Look not into every man according to his own thing, but look on the things of others." Basically, he was saying, "Don't keep trying to just look after you. What about the needs of others?" We need to press toward that. We need to renew our minds toward that. We need to get our hearts fixed on that, that I need to start thinking about the needs of others. Here's the thing. If you have a heart to minister, you don't ever have to worry about your needs going unmet. Listen. Because somebody's looking at you. If everybody is outside of themselves and looking at someone else, no, that's how, that's how the early church, no one suffered lack. Because everybody was outside of themselves, everybody was looking to someone else, you, because somebody's gonna look and look at you. So if you have a need, someone is gonna supply because they're outside of themselves and they see you. They'll see your need. God will make sure because why? Now I'm outside of myself. God said, let me show you need. All you have to do is focus on the needs of others. Now, most of you, when I say needs of others, all you're thinking about is stuff you can give them. But people need, sometimes people need just ministering to. They need to be acknowledged. They need, and they might need some, some, some physical things, but that's not, it, that's not all it's about. That's just a part of it. See, we've been programmed to think whenever you say meeting somebody's need, it's about giving them something, giving them things and stuff. And the, but there, and again, and that might be a part of it, but that's not all of it. But just think, if everybody in this room would not consider themselves, but consider the other person, how many of us in here would lack? 
If we all just said, you know what, I'm not going to even worry about that. What? And then God, across the room, God will have you look over and God will speak to your heart. Because why? No, everybody's thinking about each other. Or if we can get there, we'll be like the church of Philippi. See, because it'll get our minds and our hearts off of foolishness and bickering back and forth and all those kind of things because we're busy focusing on another's needs. Are you with me? Now, this is the key. Let me, oh, you know what I'm going to give you? This is a freebie. I'm going to give you just some marriage counseling. And let me tell you, you need it. You don't even have to tell me. You need it. I'm going to tell you that. If God said you need it, you need it. I don't care how, I don't care how you pretend in front of people. You need it. But let me, I'm going to give you just some free marriage because I don't teach the marriage class. I think this, the, the, the next time it comes up, I might teach one or two. But I don't teach them. But let me give you this and just go with it. If you want to be successful in your marriage, get outside of yourself. That'll end all marriage counseling. If you just get outside of yourself. Now, I'm not talking about just the wife. I'm talking about both of you. You got to get outside yourself. Let me tell you, if you're married, you're you're not not supposed to be thinking about your needs. (laughs) See, see, that's because you're married dumb. See, if you're married, you're not supposed to be thinking about your needs. But nobody can tell you that. Mostly because most of the time you marry for the wrong reason. But if you're married, you are never. It's never supposed to be about you. People getting divorced and they saying, mm, "Yeah, well, mm, I, mm, I don't know. You know what? My need, I wasn't fulfilled." That's not why you got married. This is a freebie. Men, if you wanted something for just, if, let me tell you, if he was like, I, I wouldn't fulfill, I needed that. If you wanted something for just what you, what you wanted it for, you shouldn't have put a ring on it. Just did, you should have just done your thing. But once you get married, you are supposed to look out for the affairs of your spouse. And your spouse is supposed to look out for you. Period. When I found him, Pastor was alive, I never had to look after myself. He always looked after me. And I always looked after him. See, if you always look after him and and she always looked after you, y'all going to be all right. But it's when you start getting into yourself. I need this. We don't have that. I want this. We don't don't have enough. It's all about, that's not what marriage is. You go through it and say, you know what? Instead of saying, it doesn't matter, baby, we're going to make it. But if it's all about you, you're going to struggle in your marriage, all of your marriage. Because that's not what marriage is about. That's a freebie. Spouses, you should look out for each other. 
A wife should not look after herself and a husband should don't have to look after himself. They're looking out for each other. <laughs> Men, you need to make sure your wives are cared for. Your pastor pressed that in you. But if you don't work, that inside unseen work to get your get get it off of everything being about yourself, now that's for everybody. It's not gonna work. Every morning, husbands, when you wake up in the morning, you should make sure she is all right. And when she wake up in the morning, she she make sure that she, you need to make sure that she's all right. I remember early when me and my husband first got married, and um, I, I don't think we I think maybe we'd been married a month or something. And his mother had called or something, and I was up making breakfast or whatever. And she said, "Oh wow, you up making breakfast and stuff? Oh, you?" She was kind of shocked at that. She was like, "Oh, like you gonna, you gonna be all right?" Well, you know what? I I, I understood some things early. And I'm not a fool. You got to get outside of yourself. You can't just lay in bed like you some queen with your broke self. Get up. Get up and say, you know what? I got to get up and make sure everything is all right with him. I got to make sure everything's all right with her. And then when you leave out the door and you all full and he does, she's making sure you have everything you need clean and ready to go and stuff going to everything. And then you, baby, is it anything you need? Do I need to stop by someone to get home? Instead of saying, Lord, I can't wait to get home. I'm so tired. Listen, it, it, all of that comes with marriage. Hmm. It takes work to get there. See, you don't just wake up selfish. You start that at an early age. I mean, you don't wake up unselfish. You wait because see, we've been selfish for so long. That's why when we were children, that's why all children mine, and that's why you you say mine. Now you're trying to take mine into marriage. Nope. Nope. You never liked, you never, see it was always about you and children it's always about. So don't be a kid in the relationship and in the marriage. Still all about me. You didn't like nobody, let me tell you, and it's just like it, I'm going to tell you, Carrie, right in the door. You, everything was mine when you was a kid and let me tell you what you hated, share. You'd run when you they say share, or you run off. Well, you're doing the same thing now. Don't talk about sharing. You need to. I need stuff now. No. All of that is not. I'm telling you, you got to prepare your heart. All of these, these are little things that are set in you, and you have to change. That was just a free little marriage marriage lesson. I'd be like, oh, God, I hope she don't teach no class. It doesn't matter. You don't have any say-so over that. Now go with me to Acts chapter 6. And let her see. I have to prepare my heart to see that no one is neglected. Mm, now we're talking about in the church. I have to make sure that no one is neglected. Church it is easy, very easy, for somebody to get neglected. 
And we have to prepare our hearts to see that no one gets neglected. Very important. Now, that is just the truth. It's easy to get neglected. You know, we can get so busy. We get so busy doing the things of the Lord. So busy working for the kingdom. I'm so busy glorifying Him that there's sometimes there are people right here in our midst that's being neglected. And I must prepare my heart to make sure nobody is neglected. See, that's all, that's all of our ability. Now, in Acts chapter 6, this is the early church. The early church. Let's just begin in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days, when the number of uh, disciples were multiplied, there arose the murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Let me stop here because I, I, I want to clarify something here because most of us look at it this way. When we read this, we act like that they said that all of the widows were being neglected. No, it was just the Grecians' widows. The Hebrews' widows were okay. Let's read it again. And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because there, the Grecians' widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. So we see what, what, what's happening here. The Grecians are saying, wait a minute, y'all taking care of all the Hebrew widows, and I was not getting taken care of going on. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, it is not unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom the, they may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and what, Permanus, and Nicholas the proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and whom they had prayed, they, they laid their hands on them. In other words, after they got it all together, they went to able minister class, and now they were ready to do something. See, everybody has been, that have been through, listen, that have been through the able ministers of the New Covenant class, there are some things that you should be doing that I shouldn't have to do. We just read it. Some things a pastor shouldn't have to do. Because you've been through New I mean, you've been through the able minister's class. You know what the standard is. You know what to do. You know, why do I have to do it? Why did your founding pastor have to do it? 
You should be, that able minister's class is not for you to just come and sit and just say I was in there. It's for a purpose. That's preparation. Oh, we got to get this. Look at verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. In other words, once they figured out how to care for one another, the church grew. But first you've got to figure out how do we care for one another. Then the church will grow. How do we care for one another? First of all, we get outside of ourselves. Get outside of ourselves. Church, we have to make sure that nobody is missing in the daily ministration of the church. We have to make sure that nobody feels that they are left out of what God is doing at Church of the Living Water. Because church, let me tell you, because the church is, we have to be set up to care for one another. It has to be that way. Now, listen, and, and there's a balance in all things, so you have to say it. I'm not talking about somebody that's, that, that don't want to do it and you trying to make them do I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those that want to. And people that want to do something, they make themselves, they position themselves to get it. To, even if they don't know what to do to get in that, they stay around until they find out how I can get in it. Well, we need to be people that can recognize that and make sure that those people are not neglected. If somebody want to do something, we need to make sure that they know what they need to do to make it happen. Uh, you got, we got to make sure that people are a part of the, you know, some people think, oh, you know what, some, certain people are part of the in-group and other people are, are outside of that group. And so they feel neglected. We need to make sure that they're not someone that have special access and others don't. You denied access. We're all members of the same church. And nobody do is nobody I don't care how it looks, how it seems. Everybody have access. When I say that, I mean if somebody feels like, you know what, I want to do something, you know, I, well, tell me, what do I need to do? Or you, you, you want to sing in the choir? Well, this is the protocol that we do to get in the choir. You, I'm making sure that you're not feeling neglected. I want to do something, but I don't know, don't seem like nobody wants me to do anything because people can be neglected and you don't even know it. You're, they're feeling neglected. Because you have an exercise you do just talking to them. And you don't have to go and ask them do they want to. That's communicate with each other. You'll find out people be like, oh, you know, I just didn't because, you know, I seem like they're more important than that. Well, they're feeling neglected. Are you with me? Now, look. Now, what we have to do, some of us that are full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, we have to say, wait a minute. It should be not by reason that my pastor have to make sure that everybody is included. I can do that. 
See, that's what we're waiting on. Everybody's waiting for the pastor to do it. That's been our problem. Everybody, let's let the pastor make sure that this happens. That's not the pastor's responsibility. That's what you are being equipped for in able ministers of the new covenant, that you make sure that it happens. Why? Your pastor is preparing the word. But everybody is equipped to. And it's not just the ministers, it's everyone. That See, we can get so caught up with just the three or four that's walking in the Word, and we want them to do everything. And God said, well, what are, what are you, chop lip? What are you? You're in the body of Christ. You should be able. It is your job to make sure that everybody is included. It is your job to make sure if someone want to usher, find out how they can do it. I didn't ever know you wanted to do it, but I didn't want to say nothing because help them get where they need to be. I mean, I mean that you have to make sure that you understand that you have a responsibility in this ministry. You have a responsibility if someone has a need. God requires that. God said, you got a responsibility. You have a responsibility to make sure that that need is ministered to, whatever it may be. It's our responsibility, and it's your responsibility. If someone is feeling like they're excluded, it's your responsibility to make sure they feel included. You know, you know what? You should have hospitality. You should have some type of communication. And it don't have to always be with the same people you know. That's how people begin to feel neglected. You have to tell yourself, you know what? My pastor don't stand in the back of the door when church is out. It's, it, you know, it's my job to make sure that nobody leaves this place without feeling like they're loved. Or feeling like that somebody cares about them. Or feeling like they're neglecting nobody. i got to make sure before they leave, instead of me running out. Now, how are you going to be a leader and you the first one out? How are you going to minister to somebody and you making sure that you're the first one out and I'm ready to run to my car and I'm ready to get out of here? And if there's people that need to be ministered to, because you... Let the ones that know what they're doing, that's what you're basically saying, let them do it. Therefore, if you're not learning and growing and understanding, I have a responsibility. See, it's many that are sitting and waiting for the church to fill up and pack up. You don't want to do nothing until then. And you don't want to really do nothing then. You just want to see, but you have a responsibility. You better grab a hold of that. Because you, I, I, I don't know how you think that God is going to use you in anything and you do nothing. No way. That means you don't know how God operates. Your pastor does not have the job of making sure everybody's included. That's your job. Letter D. Watch this. I must prepare my heart to see value in my service. 
In other words, Stephen didn't say when they told him what he was going to do. He didn't say, what? Serving tables? What? The Grecian? Uh, you're talking about the, uh, not, not the Grecian's widows. He saw value in his service. See, sometimes we don't see the proper value in what God is asking us to do. Because it's not here. See, God might ask you to do something that has nothing to do with this, and it's of great value. But we think the great value is here. Or the great value is teaching adults. You don't know the great value of teaching children because he's like, oh, Lord, no. You don't, you don't understand the value. And see, you can't, when you're teaching children, you can't be in and out. Everything needs to be solid and needs to be consistent. When God asks you to minister to someone, we have to see it as valuable. The fact that God wants me to, to serve and give in the life of somebody else is valuable. Whether you like it or not, whether you think it's valuable or not, it's valuable to God. So i got to put everything I have in it. It's valuable. Whatever service. You know what God gave this to my heart and I got a minister to do it well it's valuable when pastor's appreciation uh, month came up and we had um, uh, different sentiments that was for our founding pastor uh, and someone came at the last minute and said you know this is something that God placed on my heart you want to do it now who would I be to say well no we already have it set in stone we can't do it no it's valuable if God told you it's valuable so and so what I tell them make room for it because what it's valuable some things we can't be so rigid about because sometimes we're so rigid about some things and God will say something else and we're so rigid we don't want to move one way or the other. Now I could have said, well no, everything is said, we got who we want to speak, maybe next year you can do that or whatever. But now, that, and I, and I guarantee you that person would have felt neglected. And I was just fine with it. And I was like, oh, that, that's fine. That's, I, I don't have a problem with it. And so for anybody else that was over the program, I just said, make room for it. I don't have to explain myself. Just make room for it. That's it. I have to say, well, we got this. I wish you would. I wish you would come and tell me we got this rain and you can't. What the? Just, just move it. Why? Because everybody's valuable. And God is not speaking to just certain people. Everybody in this ministry, whether you've heard or not, God has spoke to. God speaks. Are you with me? Letter D. I must prepare. Oh, I, I said letter D. The, the uh, Point number two. I have to minister. Ooh, this one y'all do not like. Through giving. Ooh. I have to prepare my heart to minister through giving. <laughs> Church, listen. We minister through giving. You, we, we minister through giving. Giving is a direct manifestation of the love of God. 
Always remember that. Giving is a direct manifestation of the love of God. Giving is really the most direct form of ministering to others, whatever the giving may be. I'll say it again. Giving is the most direct form of ministering to others. And guess what? You have to prepare your heart to give or you won't. Did you hear me? You have to prepare your heart to give or you won't. And you won't give if your heart is not right. I'm telling you now, you won't give. You won't give if your heart is not right. Listen, for some of you, just the fact that I mentioned the word give caused you right then to tune out. It just, mm, I knew that was coming. Mm, not that living stuff. Mm-mm-mm. I didn't even say what, how much. You didn't even to check to even to see if you had anything to give. It just, the thought, oh no, giving. It had to be a part of that. It's a direct form of ministering to others. Listen, let me tell you my take on it so you'll know where I stand about anything when it comes to giving. Listen to me closely. You can make up your mind to live a life where you don't give. Just don't receive. And I'm okay with it. And see, I'm okay with it. If you make up your life, I don't want to be a giver. I'm not going to be a That's fine. But don't receive. But you know why? Because if you receive, then you're a hypocrite. Because I dare you take anything when you don't want to give anything. I dare you. I want to take something, but I don't want to give. Mm-mm. But I don't, you know, I'm just not into that giving thing. God is trying to prepare your heart. So again, I have no problem with a person who says, I don't believe in giving. That's when your birthday come. Or any other special day come, don't get anything. Or you're a hypocrite. Don't get anything. When Christmas comes, don't ask for nothing. If you're short on your bills, don't pick up the phone. If you're at the hospital, don't ask anyone to come by. And if somebody sends you flowers, send them back. Because you don't believe in, so you shouldn't take anything. Send it back. At least I know you're straight across the board on it. But you're a hypocrite if you're willing to take and you're not a giver. So you know where I stand. If you don't believe in giving, then you can't. You, if you don't believe in giving, then you cannot believe in receiving. You got to make sure that's all the way across. As long as you don't have a problem with receiving them, receiving anything that's given to you, something is wrong.
If you don't have a problem with that, you should not have a problem with giving. I'm okay with, you know, when I get something, but I just, I just have a problem with giving. But you don't have a problem with getting. God said, tell them they're hypocrites. And that's what I see. See, if you don't have a problem with somebody else sacrificing for you, but you have a problem with sacrificing for somebody else, now that's a heart condition. Know that that's a heart condition. And it's time to do that hard, unseen work to deal with that. Why would it be okay for you to get but not give? That is crazy. Why don't you curse somebody out when they bring you something? The way you cursed your founding pastor out when he asked you to give. Or, and you'll curse me out when, you have, when, 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 when I tell you things that need to be done. Now, again, you're not going to say it out loud because you're scared God will strike you down. And he might. But you're saying it on the inside. And God hears it clearly. Yeah, I figured it would be this just crickets. Because giving is always a pressure for God's people. But they always want to get. That is a heart condition. That's a heart condition. And you know what? And I'm talking about this in giving, but it's about all sorts of things. Like sleeping with someone. Same principle. You're not supposed to be sleeping. If you, you know, if you sleep with someone you're not supposed to be sleeping with. Drinking things that you shouldn't be drinking. Smoking things you shouldn't be smoking. Going places that you shouldn't be going. Listen, love compels us to give. Love compels me to give. You know, one of the things, especially if you're, if you're, if you're young, you, especially you young adults, every one of you that are working members and you're young adults or just young, you really, you really have to do some work on your heart for selfishness. You really have to deal with that. You have to. And that's one of the weaknesses of this generation. Selfishness. Young adults, selfish. If your pastor has given into your life in any way and you have a problem even with pastor's compensation and you have a job, you're a hypocrite. You come in here and you eat up on this word and do all, you're a hypocrite. And I'm telling you face to face. And I have no misunderstanding about it. That's, you just a hypocrite. 
And you're sitting up in here as a hypocrite. And God is saying, let's deal with the unseen hard work right now. Let me tell you, always deal with it while the anointing is there for you to clear it out. Because let me tell you, harden your heart here. See, we all want the benefits with no investments. And you're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to work on having a giving attitude. You are not a child anymore. See, children focus on what they can get. That's children. I see my grandchildren, that's all they want. And after you get through doing something, they want to know what's next for me. The bed. What are we going to do next? Nothing. I'm nothing. We've done it all. That's a child. You're grown. Now you have to focus. Must be on what you can give. You got to get your focus off on, I need my mama to do this. I need my daddy to do this. Now you must focus on what I have to give. What is my share? What do I need to do? Instead of walking around here dependent with your grown old tail. And when I say grown old tail, everybody's got a job. But I'm telling you, God is watching all of that. And you think God's going to open every door for you. You ain't seen nothing yet. What's my deposit, God? What is the investment? What's the investment you're going to leave if you're not a giver? Oh, don't give me. Stop making excuses. You're making excuses in your mind. God hears you. God says, stop it. Just stop making excuses about what you don't have. I'm telling you, this generation is the most privileged group you've ever... That You have more than any generation I know. Your shoes cost more than every generation I know. Your clothes cost more. Walking around with your thousand dollar phones that you upgrade every, what... Two years and for another thousand dollar phone. Don't give me no crap about what you don't have. That means your tail is just not a giver. Unless it comes to me. Now I can spend that on me. But don't ask me to go any further with that. And I can do anything that the church is doing if it's free. But don't ask me to give and don't ask me to, to, to put in for it. Don't ask me to do any of that. Listen. It's not God's fault when He asks you for something that you gave all your money to Apple for that little phone that you have that you swiping. Because let me tell you, it's going to come a time See, I'm telling you before time. I'm telling you before time so when it happens, you'll know. It's going to come a time you're going to need him. 
And God's going to say, what about all the times when this person and that person had a need and you just thought it was nothing. It was all about me and what I can get, what I can do. And God's going to remind you of it. And God's going to say, let that thing take care of you. He's telling some of you now. That very thing that you're putting all your trust in, that job, that little paycheck that you think is big stuff, God's going to say, let's see if it will take care of you. Since you don't want to be a giver. Listen to this closely and write it down. Takers are always broke. Givers always have. I've learned that over the years. Takers are always broke. Givers always have. Always have. How do you think Pastor Hill and myself have made it over these 30-something years? Now, you can't think for nobody else but yourself on what you, just you gave. I'll say it again. Takers are always broke. Givers always have. You need to learn this while you're young. Especially you're young. You need to learn this while you're young. Let me tell you, you are not going to ever be able to earn your way out of greediness. So you're going to work to you, let me tell you, until you have a heart attack and you still, you're not going to earn your way out of greediness. There will never be a check that will satisfy your greed. Ask these athletes that have signed 30, 40, 50, 100, 80 million dollar contracts and they get 50 years old and in dire straits. And and you're not even close to that. You ain't even a you ain't even a thousandaire. We talking about I'm talking about millionaire. These people and they most of them by the age of fifty they're broke, and they signed hundred million dollar contract, eighty million dollar contract. They did all of that. Oh, but you know, some of them, they gave the charity. Let me tell you, we're going to read it in a minute. If you do all of that and you don't have love, it's nothing. I'm not impressed with people with, with people with millions and millions giving thousands away. That ain't nothing. You'd be like, wow, that's because you broke. That, that's the only way you're all excited about what they're giving away. That ain't, that ain't nothing for them. But a tax write-off, that's all it is. But it's nothing from the heart. And those are not givers. And guess what? Once the world knows that you did it, that's all the applause you're going to get. Because God's, you'll never know about. If you're giving from the heart, nobody will never know. But once somebody knows, just know. Nothing else, it had nothing else to do with God. God said, you just left your right hand know what your left was doing. And that's no good for me. Are you with me? 
You can't, listen, you can't out-earn greed. All that selfishness. Hmm. Giving changes your mentality about what you have. Did you know that? Giving changes your mentality about what you have. Listen, listen to me. Oh, if we could only get this. If we can only get this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Run over there. Woo. That time is just... No, i got to move on. Letter A. I have to prepare my heart to give sacrificially. Write it down. In other words, I have to do the hard unseen work to have a sacrificial heart to take my focus off of my situation. I have to prepare my heart to give sacrificially. Listen, there's always, there will always, always be a reason that you can come up with why you can't or just will not give. Always. There will always be a reason. And, I, and how many times don't last new long? All of the commitments that you made after September 1, 2018, it's 2020 now. Which one have you came through on? Unseen work. Take your focus off of your own situation. Listen, there's always going to be a reason why you can't give. Of whether it be of your time, your resources, or whatever, there'll always be a reason. Listen, giving away... Let me, let me show you what giving is not and is because people don't have that. Giving is not giving something away you can't fit. That's not giving. Know that. Because see, somebody, I give away this. You, you can't even get half a leg in it. That's not giving. If you're giving it away because you can't fit it, no. It's not giving. Sacrificial. You gotta prepare your heart that everything that you're gonna do and that God is gonna require of you is gonna be sacrificial giving. That means it's, you're gonna have to sacrifice. So giving away something that you can't fit, that's not called giving. That's called freeing your closet up to, to fulfill your greed with something else. That's all that's called. I give this away. <laughs> That's not sacrificial giving. You know what? I've given stuff away, and I've given, you know, I've even given stuff away to that sinners, clothes, and stuff like that. And, you know, and they, listen, so you'll understand about giving, even in those things. You know, you give things away, and then they'll ask you, do you want a receipt? 
And I always say, no, I don't want to receive. They say, well, you know, you can write this off in tax. Yeah, I know that. But I don't want to receive. Why? Because I've already got the benefit from that. See, let me tell Sacrificial giving is not trying to get a benefit for something else. Once you're trying to get a benefit back, it's no longer a sacrificial giving. I'm like, no, I've already had the benefit of having it. I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to get something else out of it. Another benefit because now it's no longer giving. And, and another thing, people, I mean, I don't want to receive for another reason too. I don't want to be tempted to lie. You have a, a old couch, your children have threw up on it, peed on it, and everything, and you're going to donate it and you want a, a deal to write off on your taxes. So you can lie to say how much it was when it wasn't worth none of that to just get something back. That's not giving. That's not sacrificial giving. You're still, I don't need no receipt. I want somebody else. I've already, I've already had the benefits of it. But anytime you get a receipt from what you're doing, somebody else went in, uh, Sister Christian can attest to that. She took some stuff to a place for me and she, she texted me back and she said, I took it, I got a receipt from me. Ask her, have I ever got that receipt from her? I don't want a receipt. Because, let me all, none of that is sacrificial giving. None of that is giving. Anytime you're going to try to benefit from what you gave, even if you say, if you give and you're looking for something back, it's no longer a giving. It's your greed. I'm only giving to get. I got to get something out of it. Woo hoo hoo. Woo hoo. I can write this off. Woohoo, I'm going to get something back. Well, that's fine, you can, but don't call it giving. Are you with me? And stop lying about what, you, what, it, what it was worth. That couch you had wasn't worth nothing from, well, I ain't going to say the name of the store. I'll just say you had to put it together. And now you're going to act like it costs so much. That pissy thing, nobody wants. And then you're going to try to act like, because I want to get something out of it. That's just wrong. Christians shouldn't be that way. But you know what? But if you're not a giver, you don't see anything wrong with that. Well, I did pay for it. Well, you don't see... you. You're on a different standard. I don't need a piece of paper to see to get a benefit. Just say I want somebody else to be blessed. I'm just telling you what God is saying. All of your giving will be sacrificial. Are you in Second Corinthians chapter 8? Paul here is challenging the church of Corinth because they love to do everything but give. <laughs> oh, Lord. We are trying to be like the church at Philippi. They love to do everything in Corinthian church but give. And he was using the church at Macedonia as an example for them. He said, let me give you an example. 
And so here it is. Here we are in, in chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you the wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would give that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Your pastor, your founding pastor, used to love that scripture. This is what he's saying. In other words, they were in deep poverty and they were going through great trials of affliction, but they found a way to give. You're not even in deep poverty deep poverty like these people. Well, ain't no way when I look out from among us that you can say you're in deep poverty. No. You act like you are, but you're not. But they found a way. That was called sacrificial giving. And we have to prepare our hearts Listen, remember, God is not going to come and try to come down and do anything. God is not going to do that. He is telling you what to do. God is not going to do what we think, what we expect Him to do. God will never do that. God is, I'll tell you, every time you think God is coming through the front door, He'll come through the window. You think He's coming through the window, He'll come through the roof. You think he's coming through the roof? He'll come from under the floor. He's not going to do what you think he's going to do. He's not going to do what you expect him to do. Whenever God is going to ask you to, to do or in your giving, he's going to require a sacrifice. Now, I wasn't in your Monday's meeting. I know of the meeting. I don't go to those anything. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's already a sacrifice. It's whatever, whatever it was, whatever the meeting was about, I already know it's a sacrifice. That's the way God works. And He's not gonna move, He's not gonna change it any other way. He's not changing for you because you're a bad steward. He's just gonna show you up for the person you are. That's all He's gonna do. Because He's not going to change. He's trying to get you to a place. You gotta do, you're gonna, it's gonna be sacrificial. Let it be. We must prepare our hearts to be a blessing to others. Now, Paul went on later in, in chapter 8, around the 11th chapter, telling them that they had a readiness, that, but they lacked performance. They kept saying what they were gonna do, but they never did it. Mm, sounds like, ooh, Lord. They kept saying what they were gonna do, but never did it. And he goes on to say that you have to have a willing mind. It's not that you, he said be burden and that other people be eased, but it's an equality. Let me tell you, I don't I don't try to find out nothing that's going on with pastors' compensation because if God can't tell you, I'm not going to try to make you. I'm not going to do it. God has taken care of me and my husband through all these years, and He's going to take care of me now. And and so I I, I never 
try to find out anything. But what I do tell them, I said, but what I do want to know is those that don't. Because I need to know where I, I need to know where they stand, and, and it's for a reason. It's for a reason. I, I just need to know. And I'm talking about the working member. I'm not talking about people that don't work member. Just let me know who didn't. That's all I need to know. See, we can talk a good love talk, but that's all it is. But let me give out something. First in line to get it. But I'm not into giving. For me, that's nothing like seeing people blessed. I love that. But you have to prepare your heart to be a blessing to others. I love seeing people blessed. Let us see. I'm out of time, but I'm going to finish this up. It's just another five minutes. Let us see. You have to prepare your heart to give cheerfully. Paul continued his exhortation on all the way through chapter 9. And he tells to have not give grudgingly or sparingly, but cheerfully as you purpose in your heart. There has to be a purpose in your heart. See, if it was your birthday and somebody came to you with a gift, you know, you know, came into and they just threw the gift to you and say, here, just, you know, here's your gift. And just threw it to you. Just, just, just threw it. You'll feel like, you know, just keep it. I don't want it if you're just going to throw it to me like that. It's nothing. We have to prepare our hearts to give cheerfully. I, let me tell you, I would, let me tell you, if you're not cheerful about pastor's compensation, don't do it. And I'm okay. Let me tell you, I'm okay with it. I'm just fine with it. I'm just fine with it. Now, but now you. Now I don't know what God is. If God is fine with it, but I'm okay with it. But because you know, you don't have to deal with me. You got to deal with God. Are you with me? We have to prepare our hearts cheerfully. There's joy in giving. We're in 1 Corinthians 13, and this is the, the, the third and last point. I must prepare my heart to minister from the heart. That's what God is dealing with. You got from the heart. Let me tell you, that's what God is dealing with our heart. In other words, I must make sure that love is an internal condition and not an external action. I'll say it again. I must make sure that this love is not, and this giving is not internal condition. It's not, uh, that it's an internal condition and not an external action. Just doing something, but I hate doing it. I don't want to do it. I'm just being pressed to do it. No. Because an external action without the right internal condition is not love. It's not love. You know, just saying that you did something for me or I did something for you, but my heart wasn't right in doing it, it wasn't love if my heart wasn't right. And that's what 1 Corinthians is dealing with. Here it uses the word charity. That word charity can translate, it translates into love. And now, in verse 1 it says, we're gonna, that, this is our last uh, scripture of the day. 1 Corinthians well, 1 and 13. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 
Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels <laughs> and have not love, I am becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Point blank. I'm telling you. If all that just said, well, if you doing all of that and you call yourself praising God, and all you're doing is making noise. Now, we're talking the way God hears it. Now, people are looking like you are really praising God. God said, if you come with that, with all that, and your praise, all you need to understand is you're not doing anything but making noise. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. So I can name it, I can claim it, I can confess it, and I can possess it. And I want you to know that without love, it's nothing to God. might be to people, it might be to you, but it's nothing to God. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profited me nothing. I can do all these things and it looks like love. But I'm just doing it to make myself look good. That's all I'm doing it for. Because love is not the motivating factor why I'm doing it. I want somebody to see it. I want them to know what I'm doing. In other words, I can't be giving my money to the poor and then be acting like a fool. That's all God is saying. You're doing all of that but you're acting like a fool. Look at verse 5. Does not <clears throat> charity, for charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopes all things, endureth all things. Charity, love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For ye know in part, and you prophesy in part. But when that which is, which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I stood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That says it, to me, that says it all. I have to work on my heart to behave uh, properly. Because listen, I may, you know what, you may do a lot of charity things. You might give away a lot of stuff. But let me tell you, you may be charitable but ugly in the heart. I have to work on my heart to make sure I'm acting right, that I'm behaving correctly. Listen, tithing does not give you a blank check to act any old kind of way in the church. And some of you think that tithing, that you've given God something that belongs to Him. And most of you that robbed Him of all of that. But it's going to come a time you're going to need it. And I'm not saying, but you know, tithing means that you're going to get everything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, what my whole deal is saying that when God is asked, telling you what you need to or command in your life, and you want to do none of it, when you have a need, you're going to try to command Him, the Master. And it won't work. Is not going to work. 
Let us see the last one. I have to prepare my heart to endure with kindness. Endure with kindness. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love suffers long and is kind. You have to work on your heart. You have to hang in there. You have to endure. And you have to go through. You've got to do the hard, unseen work to prepare our hearts to minister. My time is up and our work begins. Our work begins. Those, these, all of this God is dealing with us about. You have to, and every time, let me tell you, because from now until next 2021, all that time, you've got to remind yourself of sacrificial giving. You've got to remind yourself of, of, of not letting people be elected. You, when you start flowing and not getting, and getting off focus, you've got to put yourself back and remember what God said. But because time passes by, God doesn't change. This, what he's saying tonight, he's just commanded you. He just commanded you. And what you do with it is up to you. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.